CS Week Connect is a series of podcasts that covers customer topics at a strategic level. Julie Lupinacci, Chief Customer Officer at Hydro Ottawa, is our host. During these podcasts, Julie will share a conversation with utility executives. This series is brought to you by CS Week, a nonprofit educational entity that provides the largest forum for utility customer service, education, and networking in the world. Today's topic is the relationship of financial performance and customer satisfaction. Julie, thank you for hosting this podcast series. Please introduce today's topic. Thank you so much, Rod, and thank you to CS Week for asking me to uh, be the host of this uh, second season of, of podcast for CS Week. What an exciting, exciting conversation and exciting time to be in the industry, to be honest. I am I'm super excited to be able to introduce uh, today's topic, um, and more importantly, our panelist, Forrest V. Morgison the third, uh, who's an assistant professor in the Department of Marketing at Michigan State University. Dr. Morgison teaches marketing management, marketing strategy, marketing research, uh, and these various courses to all graduate students. And Dr. Morgison is also a member of the research team at the American Customer Satisfaction Index where he has managed ACSI's academic research and team of researchers, advanced statistical modeling and analysis, and the company's international projects and licensing program. And that is quite the mouthful for us, but I am so excited because marketing has been my passion for almost my entire career. So it is so exciting to be able to talk in this industry about marketing, which is which is kind of new, uh, especially for for us um, up in in Canada, but for many many of uh, many folks across the world. So uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us today. We are talking and delving into the relationship of financial performance and customer satisfaction, and there are so many different ways uh, that we can go uh, into this. But let, let's just start by you kind of giving us a an explanation of what is ACSI, so people have an understanding of that, and um, what are their findings on the relationship between earnings and customer satisfaction? Okay, well, th thank you again for having me. It's great to be here. I, I really uh, appreciate the wonderful introduction, and, uh, and you may have made me sound more impressive than I am, but I appreciate that anyway. Um, so thinking about the American Customer Satisfaction Index, where I've uh, been associated with the research team for uh, about 20 years now, a little more than 20 years, in fact. Um, the project is an interesting one. It was started at the University of Michigan about 30 years ago now with the goal of measuring customer satisfaction across the U.S. economy. Um, and eventually that evolved into measuring customer satisfaction globally with a variety of different um, partner indexes in countries around the world. But the basic idea was, and this goes back to the founder of ACSI, a professor named Klaus Fornell, was that customer satisfaction as it was being measured at the time was what you might think of as a soft indicator. It was a feel-good measure, um, a way of sort of trying to gauge how companies do with their customers, uh, but not really anything more than that. And what the ACSI was founded to do was to try to add some 
quantitative uh, relationships behind the scene? Does this really matter to companies um, in terms of the bottom line? Does it add to what companies are able to do in terms of their financial performance? Um, the short answer to that question is yes. We've found um, over a large number of studies in a long period of time that companies that do better by their customers in terms of offering more satisfying products and services tend to perform better financially in a variety of different ways. And this is a really, I think, important lesson, one that's been integrated more into companies over the past few decades. Um, you know, the the Amazon the Amazons of the world that say, you know, um, we don't we don't do this to try to produce the best service. We try to do this to provide the most satisfaction to our customers, and then we'll let the financial um, situation take care of itself at the other end, as we're convinced it will if we provide that kind of good, satisfying experience. Uh, but today, the ACSI is still running along, measures more than 400 companies across nearly 50 different economic industries within the U.S. economy, collects several hundred thousand points of data a year, and it's uh, a really neat project to be able to, to talk about uh, in settings like this. Amazing. And and customer satisfaction has always been one of those metrics that we've always, um, uh, in the utility world, measured, but not necessarily correlated it to earnings um, as as directly as some of the, the Amazons and others that you've talked a little bit about. And I, and we'll, I, know, I know we're going to explore that a little bit further in, in today's uh, discussion. But let's start a little bit about, you know, what are those operational effects? Um, if the method to achieve the goal is to reduce operation expenses, right, for our customers, what is the operational effect for, you know, th that correlation and that and uh, with regards to the customer satisfaction? Yes, that's a great question. And it's a really, it's a tricky one, right? Because the goal for companies is ultimately, uh, you know, for private sector companies is ultimately to be profitable, um, to maximize profits, to maximize market performance for shareholders. Uh, these are the goals of private sector companies. Um, it becomes problematic when you say, well, the way to do that is to reduce operational costs to the best of our ability. Um, and in many instances, reducing operational costs can, not necessarily, but can involve diminishing or in some way undermining the quality of the services that you're delivering to customers. And so what it really comes down to is it's really incumbent on companies across all different industries to find ways to cut costs, um, but to do so in a way that minimizes adding to customer pain points, adding to the parts of the customer journey that customers may not find particularly pleasant. And, and virtually every product and service has some of those, um, some elements that aren't the most satisfying to customers. If you can find ways to reduce operational costs without disrupting the customer journey, without disrupting the level of product and service quality that you're delivering to the customer, um, then you are positioning yourself um, sort of optimally to be both a profitable enterprise and one that's also satisfying for customers. But it really can be a big challenge for firms to try to strike that balance between those two things. And if you had kind of discussions in the utility space um, about that, because it, it very much is a different way of earnings um, to get those earnings. So if we're like looking at reducing those operational expenses to be able to have an affordable energy piece, and we've got quite a different landscape as we're going into this energy transition space. Um, but 
can can you zone in on what correlation you're seeing with customer satisfaction today in the utility world? Well, you know, it is, you know, we always say that these kinds of industries are more difficult to talk about from the perspective of customer satisfaction. And, and the bottom line reason is because they're so much more regulated. They're so much more um not monopolistic, but controlled in terms of the competitive environment in which the companies exist. Um, if you have a you know purely free market and competition is unlimited, you generally find that the higher the satisfaction, the better financial performance. Um, it can be more complicated in these kinds of industries. Nevertheless, you know what we've seen over the years and um, some data that that I was looking at just recently um, finds that even in these more regulated type sectors, specific utilities, you can find a relationship between um, customer satisfaction being delivered to the customers and financial performance. The reason that we speculate for this relationship, even in that regulated environment where customers can't leave in the same way that they can leave. You don't like Amazon, you go to eBay. You don't like eBay, you go to one of the other retailers. You can't do quite the same thing in the utilities sector. And so we we think that the relationship between satisfaction and earnings that we see in the utility sector is sort of funneled through something else. Um, and in this case, it's really funneled through lower um, costs of servicing your customers, right? So if you're providing a more satisfying experience as an energy utility, um, you're reducing operational costs as customer complaints, customer service calls, those kinds of things that can be a drag on all companies, but certainly companies in an industry um, like the utility space where, um, you know, that creates labor, that creates the need to put people out in the field, people answering phone calls, those kinds of things when satisfaction is lower. Um, so we think that's how the relationship flows here, and it's a little bit different than in other industries. So if I can maybe cap this into some um, understanding from my side. So if, if we're focused on putting money in capital work projects and enhancing the grid, enhancing services overall, and reducing operating expenses that are dealing with those kind of nitty gritty, do you believe that's where you have the positive implication on, on customer satisfaction? Are you seeing that type of correlation happening? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, that's That's the the kind of relationship that we would look for in this case in any ways, right? That you're always going to have those operational costs, improving the grid, doing those kinds of big capital projects to try to overall improve the delivery of service. If you can do that, but at the same time, and hopefully one would flow from the other, but at the same time limit you know, reliability issues, for example, that are the kinds of things that are going to trigger customers to call in, to seek help, to seek service calls, those kinds of things. Um, then you're going to, you know, reap the, the financial performance benefits in the long run. Yeah. Great. Thanks so much. And so let's talk a little bit about the rationale and, um, when utilities are looking at these targets, right, these, these expense, uh, reduction targets with the PUC media and customers. What is that rationale when we when we're looking at that those particular targets? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. I mean, you know, unlike companies in really truly competitive industries, in these kinds of highly regulated industries where consumer choice is to a large extent limited, um, the service being delivered by the company cannot really be observed or the quality of that service um, like we can in more competitive markets through lost customers and, and lost revenue. 
Um, in other words, you're not going to get the same kind of natural relationship um, in the classical economic sense um, between, well, this company is not satisfying. I'm going to stop buying from them. And eventually that company will fail. It will suffer in revenue. It will suffer in market share. And everyone will be able to sort of see the effect of dissatisfying customer experiences. Um because you can't see that kind of natural market relationship um, in the utilities sector, using this data or having this kind of data available in a sense becomes even more important. And what I mean by that is, is utilities can take this data and use it um, as evidence to public commissions, to media, even to their own customers, that they are in fact doing well. Um, the same kind of logic in, in a strange way works with the government space. Why, why does the government, so much of the federal government, state governments, even local governments, measure these kinds, if not satisfaction, related metrics that allow them to display their performance objectively um, to their constituents? Well, they do so because there's no other way of seeing objectively that performance. And so having this data is sort of evidence. Look, we know you don't have choices or many choices, uh, but look, we have this evidence that we're performing at a very high level, that our performance is comparable to companies um, in competitive sectors. Um, and so satisfaction data sort of becomes that objective evidence that allows you to publicly display your performance in, in a unique way. Thanks, Forrest. And I, I know when we we've we've had a couple chats, and in our at, in one of our last chats, we talked a little bit about Hydro Ottawa, and we have this expression of of, of love miles, right? And um, you know, when we start depleting those love miles, and let me kind of talk about that. But when we start depleting those love miles, is when you see CSAT start going down. But um, we we are constantly looking, at least in our market, and I know many organizations that I've talked to that uh, that frequent CS Week uh, are the same. They're looking at ways to gain that trust and and um, the uh, honest broker type of uh, a relationship with our customers, even though we have this monopoly in, in, in some cases, right? And we're seen as monopolistic in, in that they don't have a lot of choices in some cases. But we see them, uh, we see this relationship as necessary to create a bank of, 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 um, of uh, that we can draw upon when there's outages, right? When there are things that are kind of outside of our control and the reliability of the system's not there. Um, and, and we, and I talked to you about this, we got hit quite frequently here in Ottawa in the last 12 months on three major multi-day storms. And I know some of the, our, my peers um, have that on the regular. And and this love miles is, is a really important piece. And when we're talking about customer satisfaction in this way, what do you see occurring when when problems persist past those few days and how can we how can we see and take a look at customer satisfaction and 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 kind of predict where we're going to be at the end of of, of that kind of problematic time yeah I, I as i mentioned to you earlier I, I love your expression love miles i'm considering stealing it um i have a similar term that that i've used uh for that phenomenon, and we call it the reservoir of goodwill, right? Love Miles, I think, has a, a catchier tone from a marketing communications perspective, so maybe I'll steal it. But, um, you know, this is something we've not only seen in data, but um, understood about customers even without data. Um, you know, this reservoir of goodwill, I mean, over a period of time, 
customers, you know, with a variety of different positive experience with a company, customers build up sort of this reservoir of goodwill or love miles, as you call them, that are going to make them more prone to forgive a negative experience, to forgive a bad experience, to be understanding when there's a failure. You know, I've gotten, you know, 10 years of service from this company and have never rarely had any problems. Now there's a significant disruption in my service. I may be more willing to forgive that disruption because of those built up prior positive experiences. Um, so that's really important, right? It becomes part of, of sort of what you think of as an overall customer satisfaction, cumulative over a longer period of time that is so important to companies rather than just individual transactions where things sometimes inevitably are going to go wrong. Um, from the perspective of something like a utility, of course, that's going to help. Those those love miles are going to add up and they're going to allow the company to maintain strong relationships with customers during that unfortunate, you know, potentially unavoidable, inevitable, weather-related, something like that, um, you know, act of nature that disrupts the service. Of course, no matter how many love miles you build up, you, you can't count on those forever, right? Um, no matter how forgiving your customers may be, particularly for something as important to their lives as, as public utilities, natural gas, electric, those kinds of things, eventually they're going to expect and then demand that those services be restored, um, especially somewhere as cold as Ottawa in the winter, right? We can't, we can't have customers going for too long without their power. Um, but it can cushion the blow. Right, It's not going to totally get you off the hook and allow you to disrupt service for too long, but the hope is that it cushions the blow so that there's understanding so that you as a company have time to get those services back up and running without too much um, you know, customer disruption and, and those customers themselves becoming more expensive to deal with and answer. Thanks, Forrest. And, and, and I think that um, that correlation has always been there with regards to um, company reputation and, you know, the uh, ability to weather the storms or weather, you know, a bad, a bad situation. But the context of bringing it back to the earnings per share, right, and being able to see we've got some significant investments as, a, as a, an industry that we need to make in the grid to be able to support that energy transition of the future and just how people are interacting with, with electricity. So, let, let's kind of take this and, and, and go into maybe some other industries maybe that are not necessarily regulated. What, what anomalies do you see in the correlation between earnings per share and customer satisfaction that we should maybe be aware of and, and really focus on um, as we look at it from a utilities lens? Well, I mean, you know, it is a tricky relationship and, and there sometimes takes a good bit of work to um, tease out those financial relationships between satisfaction and financial performance, whether it's earning per share or something else. Um, and one of the things that we do is we try to best capture customer satisfaction by focusing on survey measurement of individual customers who are end users of a company's goods or services. So in this case, it might be um, commercial or residential, you know, electric customers. And we're asking the customers about their perceptions of the quality of the services that they're experiencing. Um, that's ultimately our goal. The problem with that can be those situations where you're measuring the customers of a publicly traded company, but those customers that are 
you know, end users make up only a relatively small portion of that company's overall business profile. Um, in those cases, you certainly are going to have a harder time connecting customer satisfaction to their financial performance because that financial performance may be largely driven by something that's entirely outside the scope of what you're measuring when you measure their end user customers. So there's complexities in, in doing this kind of analysis and understanding this kind of data um, that you need to work through. Um, and it may not always be as simple as observing, you know, satisfaction goes up, financial performance improves, you may need to um, take some other variables into account when, when looking at those kinds of things. So what do you see in, it, in, in utilities? And, and I know we talked a little bit about Berkshire Hathaway, so if you want to use them um, kind of as a reference, but what are you seeing in utilities, you know, specific to this? Um, you know, again, there's we've looked at this data um, over long periods of time and look at the relationship between satisfaction and financial performance across a variety of different industries. Um, the expectation, our own expectation, was always that we would find a lesser connection between the two for something like the utilities industry, given its regulated nature. Um, we have found, though, that in many cases you can see a direct relationship, not for every single company, for some of the reasons you just mentioned. Um, but for many of the utilities where their primary business is, you know, residential commercial um, utility distribution there, you're, you're able to find a relationship there uh, between that and their financial performance. And so, you know, we would say that even in, in your industry, a, a little unique as it may be, you should still really focus on keeping those customers happy in the long run. It should pay off financially for the company. Thank you so much for us. I know we've, we've covered a lot of ground, but let me let me ask you kind of this open-ended question as as we as we talk to utilities um, and as they're looking at this what would be one of your recommendations as a marketing professional on things that we really need to tap into and look at and really focus on as a utility industry that we may not have looked at before Oh, that's a tough question, and you didn't prep me for this one. So I'm gonna—you're gonna have to give me uh, five seconds here to think about it. Now, there, there's a—I think a lot. I think one of the best things that we're seeing in this business these days is that companies are becoming more sensitive to the importance of these issues. Again, not just as a feel-good measure, but as a way of really working to improve financial performance through viewing your customers differently, viewing them as partners in profit building, viewing them as long-term assets um, that you can build up value over a long period of time with those customers, and it's going to pay off for you financially. Um, I think companies need to, to really keep that in mind as we've moved through the last few decades. More companies have that focus. Um, you know, that our customers need to be top of mind in all of the decisions that we make. How is this going to impact them? And ultimately, how is it going to impact our financial performance? I think sometimes, though, particularly now as companies are, you know, working so quickly to introduce new technological developments that are going to be cost savings for them, Sometimes we slip back into the old mindset and we say, well, this is all about profitability. Um, we don't really, we're not really focused on the customer in this case. And we, we need to be focused there. How is this 
major decision going to impact our customers and not just their perceptions of the price that they're paying, uh, but of the service that they're receiving throughout the customer journey and over the long term. How are these decisions going to impact that? Um, keeping that mindset, I think, um, is not just important from a marketing perspective, but really important, um, you know, for a financial perspective for firms. Thank you so much, Forrest. I'm, I've really enjoyed our conversations over the last few weeks, and, and, and particularly this one here. Um, I think we as utilities have a very different responsibility on how we look at customer satisfaction now and, and help to um, help our organizations understand that correlation in a very different way um, as, we, as we enter into a very exciting time, like I said, at the top of this podcast uh, for our industry. So thank you very much, Forrest. For, for your time, for your insights. Um, I know myself and everybody who listens to this is gonna be very thankful for, for this particular conversation. Um, so with that, uh, Rod, man, this <laughs> we got more than we paid for on this one for sure. And I, I wanna thank you and, and CS Week uh, for allowing me to, to have this conversation with Forrest and, and I, I turn this back over to you. Thank you. Perfect. To hear more conversations at the executive level, please join us at CS Week's Executive Summit April 29 and 30 of 2024 in Fort Worth, Texas. To register, reach out to CS Week using our website, csweek.org. Julian Forrest, thank you for your great insights on this topic today. Uh, audience, thanks for attending and stay tuned for our next series.